0: Welcome to the CultureWise podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace. Here, we aim to discuss topics relating to how followers of Jesus can more effectively reach Latter-day Saints in their relational networks. For more information about this podcast, check out our pilot episode titled, What Is This Podcast About? My name is Daniel Schugert, and I'm joined today by Ross Anderson and Nate Fox. Nate Fox has been a pastor in Utah County for about a decade, and he's currently an associate pastor at Lifestone Church. He's also the director of the Elevation Project. Now, Nate, what can you tell us about the Elevation Project and and what what that is, how you've been involved in, in it?
1: Sure, Daniel. Thank you for having me on, Ross and Daniel. It's great to be with you guys. Um, Elevation Project um, was kind of born out of a transition uh, from pastoral ministry in Orem, and uh, just kind of asking God, hey, what's, what do you have next for me? And really, uh, the thing that kept coming to me was there's a need for strengthening and encouragement in Utah County specifically. And so that is kind of the primary thrust of Elevation Project. And so we gather um, at least quarterly. Um, and now we're, we're working together with other organizations like, uh, uh, love in Utah standing together, uh, to, to gather more often than that. But the, the main elevation project gatherings about every quarter and we, we do a pastor's lunch and God has just been using it in awesome ways. Um, we, uh, last gathering was, uh, two weeks ago and we had 19 pastors from Utah County at a lunch. And so, um, my prayer is that they're encouraged, they're strengthened. Um, we'd like to bring out some of the, the cultural aspects. Uh, there, are, there are churches that that engage the culture really well. There are churches that struggle a little bit, and we'd love to see uh, especially new church planters come and, and learn from some of the, the people who have gone before them as a part of this. So that, that's the main thrust. The, the other part of Elevation Project frees me up, uh, to do other things, and I work very closely with uh, Love in Utah, uh, Dave Elsog, and so uh, we uh, we together are doing some fun things with a podcast ourselves. We're excited about
0: that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so is the Elevation Project open for, if there are some listeners who are pastors and ministry leaders in Utah County, can they participate? Can they get in? Absolutely. Uh, we, yeah, and how would, they,
2: how would they find you? That's make sure they have maybe a way to figure sure. out how to do that.
1: Uh, the, best way to, the best way to reach me is probably just through our website, which is elevationprojectut, uh, com. So uh, there's, there's a contact page where they can get a hold of me, and, and uh, I'd love to get lunch, coffee with any, mm-hmm. any ministry leader that's down there and, and invite them into what we're doing uh, on that quarterly basis. Yeah,
0: yeah, great! Thank you so much for that. Now, today we want to talk some about the trends that you've been witnessing in Mormonism and in some of the evangelical churches, uh, especially down in Utah County, as you've mostly engaged in. But f- let's let's first talk about what are some trends that you've seen of Latter-day Saints who are leaving Mormonism.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of a whole new ball game. I, I moved to Provo in two thousand two. So this is my 20th year in Utah County, uh, 16 years in Provo. When I first came to, to Utah County, uh, the vast majority of people that I knew were devout, what we call temple-worthy, uh, you know, RMs, return missionaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the landscape of Utah County is, is changing, uh, especially with our move from Provo to Saratoga Springs, where we live now, uh, there's there's just a number of things that, that we've noticed uh, that never, never would have happened uh, when we first moved to Utah County. And uh, there's just a, a new level of, of people leaving the LDS Church. I don't think that's anything new. Uh, there is the, the, the types of people who are leaving the LDS Church are very different today than they were um, you know, in in two thousand and two, and the the whole attitude and the nuances around it have changed tremendously. Uh, even from some of my most devout friends, uh, in two thousand two, it would have just been a real shock hmm. that anybody was leaving the the LDS Church. And today, it's not. Everybody knows somebody who's leaving the LDS Church, and so that's created some new dynamics
0: hmm. Yeah. So what what specifically have you seen is a reason why some of these people are leaving who might not have left or, or you would have thought they would not leave?
1: You know, Ross and I, we you, we've talked about this quite a bit. I think that one of the common themes is there's just a familiarity of of people who are leaving, which uh, creates a, a what used to be a shock is now normalized. Uh, like I said everybody knows somebody within their sometimes immediate family yeah. let alone their extended family uh, that is that is at least wrestling with where they're at with the church at the uh, at with the uh, the LDS church uh if not already have have left and so um uh, that's that's a that's a tremendous difference in twenty years. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody had immediate family members leaving the LDS Church. Uh, so why, why is that happening? Oh, we know the internet has made, had a huge role in that. Uh, I think beyond the internet, it's the internet in a very personal space
2: on our phones. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great point because the internet's been around for you know decades now at this point, and yet the People the, the number of people leaving Mormonism is accelerated in the last 10 years. So it's, it's got to be something, it's got to be the Internet plus some other factors, and I think one of those factors for sure is, is how mobile the Internet has become in our back pocket, you know? Um, that, so that's, that's definitely a fact. There's other factors too, but that's a big one. I think another factor, again, Nate, you pointed out, is worth, I think, dwelling on for a minute, is the increasing familiarity right, that that destigmatizes um, leaving because, wait, all of the myths, all of the stories that we were told, so I grew up LDS, and all the stories that we were told about what happens when a person leaves the church, they become an apostate, which is a very negative uh, ter- terminology, but we were told, oh, you know, they're going, to, they're going to experience the worst possible life. They're not going to be able to have a f- happy, fulfilling life, you know. A few years ago, one of the general authorities talked about like the boat analogy. He said, "If you leave the boat, you leave behind the safety, you know, and all of the protection." And and he goes beside. They said, "You know, besides, where are you going to go?" Well, and I think people are realizing. Well, yeah, there is there are other places to go. There are other options. And and the safety of the boat maybe is overrated. Right. The way that it's been sold, the way that it's been portrayed. Um, in the Mormon culture has proven to you know not really um, play out the way that the LDS leaders said that it would play out. And so it becomes more and more of an option. The more people we know, the more people we see, like you said, who we've experienced, some people maybe even our own close family, and um, as an LDS, active LDS person, I may not like it, and it may introduce some... Um, Tension at times, or some disconnect into our family life, but but it's not like oh my gosh these are abject apostates. Right. right?
1: Yes, and i th- I think the the words like excommunication, um, you don't hear people talking about their immediate family as being excommunicated anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 So there's there's a what used to be a bit of a shunning. Uh, culture within the dynamics of the LDS Church has softened tremendously, where people are saying, uh, we're not going to make an example out of my daughter, we're not going to make an example out of my brother, because we still want them at the family reunion. Uh, there's There's a more hopefulness that at some point down the line, they will come back to faith in the tenets of the lds church and there's a more uh desire to win them back through through example through more quiet uh aspects rather than uh the idea that if we if we excommunicate them if we shun them that somehow they'll lose the community and and then be dying to get that back and right. and then return they're seeing that Parents are just not willing to lose community with their children, with their
2: kids. Yeah. Now there's still there's still I hear still a lot of stories about forms of shunning and broken relationships and family relationships. So it's not it's not it hasn't gone to zero. Right. But I agree with you, Nate, that it's it's a different climate than it was 20 years ago, for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, just a number of the families that are have left in the last six months and how they're dealing with their immediate and extended families, they are invited to everything. They want the relationship to continue. Although there are, there are, uh, re- there are conversations that are difficult and they right. continue to be difficult. Right. And there's, there's hurt feelings. Of course, there is not the actual shunning of, right. You're not, you're
2: no longer a part of us. Right. Cutting off and yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like there are some, the barriers to leaving Mormonism historically have been really high, and some of those are maybe coming down a little bit more, it's more attainable, more acceptable to to actually leave the LDS church. Do you have any stories you can share of someone that you've encountered who, um, who has felt a little bit more safety taking the leap to say, I'm going to leave Mormonism?
1: You know, I don't... Um... I don't have any stories that are specific to that, but I do have a story and multiple stories uh, like this. I have a really good friend that I worked in sales with for a number of years um, in the secular world before I was in ministry. And uh, this, uh, even back then, and I'm going to go back to 2010, I remember a conversation we had over some enchiladas, <laughs> where he said, hey, my daughter is questioning the LDS Church. And he said, I just want you to know, because of the number of conversations we've had about faith, and I know that we don't align you know, perfectly, otherwise you would join my church and I would join your church. <laughs> yeah. I do want you to know that as my daughter is questioning if she even believes in God or if she even believes in Jesus— I just want you to know that if if she was open to talking with you, I would go that direction, and I thought that was that was like a a brand new conversation I had never had before in 2010. Really? Yeah. Uh, with with an LDS friend, mm-hmm. and and it was this transition of thought of the same idea we've just talked about. I don't want my daughter. To feel shunned, to feel excommunicated. I want her, uh, because that will drive her to sort of this atheism, agnosticism that that most people experience when they leave the LDS Church right away. In his mind, even though he was probably suggesting that this is a lesser form of Christianity, right, right, it was much better of a worldview for his daughter. To at least believe in the Savior in the, in yeah, His words, right, right, um, and and I don't know what kind of um, mental gymnastics he was doing with his own understanding of of the 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 problem of apostasy within the LDS Church, but for him it was the present experience with my daughter. I don't want her to have a a. A life without a moral compass, right? Or a faith in God, right? Because he's like, I've watched your life, and and I would say you're as Christian as any LDS person I know. So if my daughter can have that, I I guess God will figure out the rest. I mean, that's that was kind of the the thrust of the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so what I've seen in the twelve years since is more and more people expressing that. That same um, desire for immediate family, that they would much rather them have faith in Jesus, like some of their evangelical friends do, even though it's not exactly what they would fully want. Mm-hmm. Right,
2: that makes sense. Now here's a here's a phenomenon, Nate, that I've observed, and I and I think you have too. But I'd like to hear your take on it. Um, as the, as the kind of, Daniel mentioned, like the barrier, the barriers, the obstacles have declined. And so I see more and more people who are, have some kind of relationship in both camps. They haven't formally left Mormonism in any, or, or even, they're still, they're still engaged, still involved, but they're also sampling evangelical Christianity. Maybe they're coming to our church and yeah. going to the other church, or they're involved in a, in a, in a small group Bible study but they're still, in some way, loyal in their to their Mormonism. Maybe for whatever reason, family, reason, whatever. So they, so they're they're kind of living with a foot in both worlds. Yes. Uh, how much have you seen that happening as a as a trend in the LDS world right now?
1: I feel like almost everybody that's transitioning is in that world right now at our church. Um, there's a there's this. Like you said, a foot in both camps. And I think it what it comes down to is they have really good friends within their ward mm. uh, that they love. They cherish those friendships, they cherish that community. I, I think sometimes we talk in generalities when we talk about LDS people just love community. No, it's just they have specific friends. You know, I have LDS friends who who go to one ward and they' go they and they'll go to the next ward because there's a split or there's a there's a move. And they go, man, this ward is so much better than the yeah. last ward. <laughs> yeah, like they're like everybody else. I know. Yeah. there's a familiarity that the Elias Church brings that you're gonna you're gonna consume the same content every week, but those aren't the same people. And so we're 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 seeing people just express their very humanness of having really good friendships, and and just this is what we talk about all the time. This is. This is bigger than a church. It's a culture. And it's that's hard to leave behind because yeah. so much of the story of your life comes from those those cultural elements. Uh the way you you went to general conference and right. the type of the, the type of pajamas your family wore and the the popcorn you ate, there were the <laughs> snacks that you had, yeah, gummy bears. Yeah. like those are hard things to leave behind as much as it is for my family who grew up you know evangelical christians we have five five uh five boys or four boys in the family sorry my my family my family's five kids four boys in my family i mean we center everything around we moved every couple of years we center everything around uh our our sports affiliations yeah and so so much of our traditions have to do with with michigan football college football season and we we all chat about it and there's a culture that's defined there. I don't think it's any different. So you don't want to leave those things behind just because you're struggling with the tenets of the faith.
0: Right. Yeah, so what is leading people to say, I, no, I'm, I'm willing to leave uh, and yet maintain some of these cultural components or some of the familial or friendship relational components?
1: I think people's conscience are held captive by what's out there you can no longer come across certain materials on the internet and just push them away as anti-Mormon literature. Mm -hmm. They're too compelling. And I think there's a, there was a, I think Christians for a long time evangelicals came to Utah and tried to point out the obvious issues within Mormon belief. Um, The issues with the book of Mormon book of Abraham that we we produce videos and they compelled a few people but when former mormons started talking about their journeys and those started becoming the the primary things that people found on the internet yeah it exploded you know uh ces letter the my uh was it a letter to my to
2: my wife to my yeah. wife
1: these are things that everybody's encountering who has any sort of Doubts or questioning questions that are not being answered, and they're looking, and they they feel they have the privacy to go look. Um, I don't think the LDS Church has as strong of a grip on what anti-Mormon literature is. If people have doubts and those doubts are not answers, people will go
2: find something, mm-hmm. right? And it's you know this is why the church developed the uh, Gospel Topics essays in the last decade. But it's interesting how those have been used. It's almost like they want to have their spin on the answers to these kind of questions, but they really don't want to run it up the flagpole either, right? Because it's a kind of a, a lose-lose situation. If they run it up the flagpole too prominently, then then it alerts Mormon people that hey, there's problem issues, and ignorance is bliss, you know. And um, but if they don't run it up the flagpole enough, then it then it doesn't have that purpose of trying to reinterpret those historical and uh, questions and problems through a more faithful lens. And so, you know, that's a, just an interesting, intriguing spinoff of the whole topic that you're talking about, how the Mormon Church has tried to um, do, you know, maybe damage control and get out ahead of some of those issues, and, and I'm not sure they've been very successful.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Now, I know you have talked a little bit about some of the tension between uh, the LDS value of family and the also the value of serving in the church. How have you seen that tension play out recently?
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, so the question is really about this this struggle that um, I think really was revealed during COVID, right? There was this, this idea that, um, I'm a part of this church that is asking me to serve and to do all these things, and yet the highest value in the church is time with my family, and those two things cannot coexist because the majority of people who especially who are devout are are asked to have callings that take them away from their family mm-hmm. right and we've we've seen this before and I don't think anybody who um, who has engaged their neighbors well and has has engaged neighbors who are devout has not heard how how much they have to do. Uh, most of my neighbors, especially in Provo, would would just kind of go, "Wow, we are busy people. It's almost like we don't have time for family." And at least down in Provo, where I, I coach soccer for six or thir- thirteen years family home evening, Monday nights was like golden because guys who were in the bishopric, guys who were in, uh, you know, um, elders quorum, uh, ladies who were in relief society, they didn't have a moment on Sunday to be with their families. Yeah. And so all of a sudden COVID happens and the church says we're not meeting and they have all this time with their family and they love it. And then COVID starts to, you know, transition back. Um, and it's like, wait a second. We got a taste of what family life could actually be like without the never-ending busyness. And that tension, I think, has created a lot of questions into how devout are we going to be? Uh, how devout... I. I I have a number of parents of kids that I coach soccer uh, that I've talked to recently, and they're like, yeah, we go back, but we're kind of like every other weekers or once a monthers.
2: I never heard that before.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If there was commitment, then it was a big commitment or yes, none at all.
2: It's all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And now you got people who are expressing what I experienced growing up in the Midwest with Catholics who are saying, yeah, I'll attend church, but it'll probably be, uh, Christmas and Easter. Now, you know, we were talking about this, Ross, where, you know, that's probably not, not the two things that, a that, a an LDS person would gravitate towards. You've got this cultural identity and, and, uh, they're they're gravitating gravitating towards other things. Like you had some great thoughts on that earlier.
2: Well, I mean, so we you know in LDS culture they don't make a big deal out out about of Christmas and Easter as an as a gathering event. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I don't know. At our church, we've had a lot of a lot of uh, success with Christmas Eve service because LDS don't do a Christmas Eve service. Right. They don't do a I mean they they don't do a big blowout for Easter like evangelical churches typically do, and so those would not be the gra- those would not be the magnets that would draw the nominal people Correct. back right yeah. so in, in L- so we have to think what's the LDS culture? what's it all about? What would be the magnets that would draw people nominal LDS people back to their core again, at least on an occasional basis and And I think it probably has to do with family, sure, you know because that's the heart of the culture. Um, So your nephew's being baptized. Yeah, some baby uh, baby dedication or blessing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. those would be the kind of things. Family reunions are huge, right? Yes. Um, In LDS culture, like nowhere else. And and so I think those are some of the kind of things that you'd have nominal Mormons that keep them in the fold, so to speak, at least at some nominal level. They're going to come back for the baptism, for the blessing, for the reunion, for, for something, for the... For the maybe the missionary farewell maybe for um, you know the the uh, wedding reception stuff like that
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense but I think what's what's key to the topic of conversation that's a new trend
2: mm-hmm. like yeah.
1: since covid yeah. we we're, we're seeing this this nominalism and uh, you know I have a uh, a friend who's been transitioning, He's, he's one of these guys who has a foot in the LDS ward and a foot at Lifestone Church. And he just told me the other day, we had a private conversation one-on-one, and he said for the first time ever, um, they have uh, rescinded a ward in South Jordan because since COVID, they, there's just a number of people who are not coming back. In fact, there's a, there's a whole neighborhood that just said, hey, we're not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. That's wild. I mean, yeah, Sa- Salt Lake County, you know, hasn't been traditionally um, tremendously LDS, but that part of the county has.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's really interesting that it, it's telling that there's a place that historically has been known as being, you know, pretty LDS dominated, you know, they built a temple there, and yeah. and so forth. So all by all signs, and yet there's been enough contraction; they've had to redraw the ward boundaries to have one less. That's really, I think, the whole idea, Nate. The whole idea of COVID and the effects of COVID is really a fascinating topic. Um, First of all, it's affected evangelical churches too. Tremendous. We've all had we've all had people that disappeared during COVID and we we haven't seen them again. Yeah. And we're going like, "Wait, are they going to another church or they or they just or did they just, you know, kind of opt out of church attendance?" And we think more than likely it's the latter more than the former. And so it's affected everybody in the in the faith world, so to speak, but it gives us an opportunity as as Christian churches in Utah, to say, "Hey, we this is a this is a phenomenon that we really want to be aware of and understand the implications that it has in the LDS world that we're trying to reach." And so, that's one of the implications is that it gave people permission to participate less. Mm-hmm. The eyes of the church weren't on them every Sunday. Right. The church said, "You don't have to come." You know. Uh, At least for quite a long period of time and create new habits and new norms for people absolutely and and so it'd be interesting it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and to think about whether there are ways that in our in our outreach ministries that we can um you know get kind of in step with that that trend i know that initially um churches i think found in the early years of covid the early months of covid that when everybody decided they needed to get their online streaming, you know, worship going, yeah. if they didn't already have it, that it seemed like a lot of LDS people were taking advantage of the anonymity and the time freedom to check out streams of Christian worship services. Yeah. There's no way to measure that. That's anecdotal. And there's no way to really measure, probably, whether that has continued or not, whether right, that's still right. going to be a trend or not.
1: Yeah. Well, there were. There were a number of people who were only comfortable attending virtually, and still today within the evangelical world there that that trend has continued yeah. but you know we have no way of measuring whether uh, LDS folks have have decided to uh, to take advantage of virtual attendance at evangelical services right. if they were questioning because that's not even a an option at the LDS right you can't level. you can't stream
2: the ward. Right, um, and so yeah, how many how many LDS people are double dipping still? Again, kind of they're going to the ward, but they've discovered that there's something else out there in the streaming world, and they're checking that out because that's easier to do than to actually walk through the doors of a of a live a non LDS church.
1: And what what we found too with the people who are coming through the doors, uh, like you said, we, we there's pretty much no way to to measure people who are coming through the virtual doors, but the people who are coming through the doors have a familiar uh, conversation with us. It is, or a similar conversation with us, which is there's something more about Jesus that's Mm -hmm. expressed here Mm -hmm. uh, in, in the worship and the way we sing uh, as, as, uh, as uh, the message as well. And, and so, uh, I wonder, you know, like you said, it's anecdotal, if, if there's people entertaining that because the common language with people coming through the doors is there was just more I wanted to find about Jesus that I didn't fully grasp at the LDS Church.